the Theo Nuts. <laughs> Number 109. <laughs> the one where I don't even know what we're doing anymore. The Theo Nuts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo dung beetles out there. I'm David Gay. <laughs> I'm Jeremiah Orr. <laughs> Together we are the, the Theo Nuts. I'm hoping that one's going to be relevant at some time <laughs> in in our discussion. Today. Yes. <laughs> oh, you yes, it'll come up. Theo Doug Beatles. I'm really interested to see how that comes up. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, oh man, yeah. Well, we're off to a silly start. We are. I don't even know what to do from here. <laughs> what are we? What are we doing? It's silly. Just, <laughs> it's, this is silly. Skit. Too, Let's too stop silly. It. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> so, Hi, David. How's everything going? There, uh, it's Jeremiah? good. It's good. We uh, we're sneaking uh, down this weekend to go surprise my mom on her fiftieth uh, yeah. birthday. Don't worry, she does sneak down. Listen, so. <laughs> But if she does, now she knows. Yeah. So yeah, we're surprise. <laughs> we're sneaking to Kansas to uh, to go pay her a happy birthday visit this weekend. I'm excited about that. It means yeah. I get a day off school, but I feel like teachers work more whenever they have a day off school than whenever they don't because <laughs> they're lesson planning, you know, like yeah. crazy to make sure a sub stays above the water, you know? Right. So it's nuts. Anyways, that's my life. How about you? Oh, man. Busy as ever. Crazy. Yeah? Yeah, I've got uh, new programmers, and we've just been hitting it like crazy. We've had some uh, um, some new code went up Friday and just bombed and blew up things, and it was like, oh, no, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I spent, like, Friday afternoon writing incident reports. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so that's great. Yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be crushing. Oh well, but oh well. You got God, God's still on the throne. Yeah, if you're gonna make some omelets, you gotta break some eggs. Jesus right? is still on the throne. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, we ready to do this? I don't care. Do this. <laughs> Let's do it. <clears throat> French fried tater, <clears throat> biscuits, mustard. <clears throat> I love me them French fried taters. I'm going to be baptized. <laughs> All right. So. I'm going to worship a golden calf today. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I just I feel like a golden calf is what we need to be worshiping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know where that Moses guy I read the Bible song, but it ain't in there. It ain't, it ain't in there. I don't know where that Moses went, but um, <laughs> let's melt down some stuff and worship a golden calf. All right. So let's, Sorry, start, let's talk about idolatry. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we yeah okay so that yeah just flat out idolatry yeah what do you uh, well here's the deal i know that there's a lot of people out there that probably worship us a little bit too much 
Yeah, and it's normal. So we thought we'd put the brakes on that. Yeah. yeah. Let's stop making the Theonauts idols. <laughs> Seriously. Actually, this is a suggestion. It came from our patron saint, Philip. Yes. King Philip. And uh, so I'll just kind of lead in with uh, an email that, that he... Um, that he wrote to us. He says, I heard a recent sermon discussing idolatry. The phrase drastically remove or aggressively remove idols from your life was used. And I'm sure I was misunderstanding a bit, or perhaps it wasn't being communicated clearly. But if we find ourselves idolizing our spouse, children, family, or job, I don't see how removing one of those things from our life would be helpful. Idolatry seems to be taking something good and elevating it to an unhealthy extent. A proper biblical perspective and reassessment of my relationship to someone or something seems a more logical way to deal with idolatry. What do you guys think about idolatry and how to identify it and when to deal with it? So I don't know if we're going to answer those questions well or not. Um... (laughs) I've got some some notes on idolatry that I've had, you know, for a while that um, I did a study on it here a while back. And so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll kind of present from this. You said that you've been looking at idolatry to some from a different angle. I have. Well, you know, and I've always, well, we'll get to that. But yeah, totally a different angle. Just a thought that occurred to me today. But, uh, you know, idolatry is a, an interesting topic because I think... Apart from pride, mm-hmm. which is idolatry, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think idolatry is right up there as the most detestable thing to God. No, oh, it's like it's the number one commandment. It is the very first commandment with a bullet: "Thou yeah. shalt have no other gods before me." Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting. I'm I'm really researching this uh, um, the story the story of the Ten Commandments uh, in Exodus, right? Right. And the story of Moses going up on Mount Sinai and getting the Ten Commandments, and he's gone for 40 days. And so the people in, of Israel, they, they're they like, we can't handle this. We have to have something to worship. Yeah. So they go to Aaron, and they're like, hey, we need something to worship. And I, I'm really amazed. Here's all our goal. Right. Do something with this. Make something. And um, so I've been doing a lot of research about uh, the Jewish culture. And it almost makes sense to me now that when I'm researching this, the word God Elohim, El, the yes, root. Have you yes. ever have you ever read anything about that? Uh-huh. Well, the root El uh, with uh, in um, Semitic uh, cultures um, means g- was God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was associated with a bull. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why they chose to make this golden calf. Oh, okay. Gotcha. They're going to worship gotcha. this golden calf, and which is something I've always been blown away with. But more than anything, I'm just blown away that they, they, they're like, we cannot handle uh, this whole not worshiping anything. We've got to worship something. We've got to have a new leader right. because obviously Moses is right. gone. Right, And so they have this innate desire. Well, he was gone 40 days. Right. So, yeah, they were like freaking. They Yeah, and they, you know... He was and up four, on a mountain, and forty is usually a rounded term, right? In the in the in the Jewish um, 
culture. So when they would say 40, it usually meant just an extended amount of time. Right. You know, more than a month. So, you know, they <laughs> they get together this bull and they start this golden calf, this golden cow, and they start offering sacrifices to it as a replacement for the very God that did all these miracles, like parted the Red Sea and <laughs> brought them out of Egypt and did all the plagues, the ten plagues, and, you know, did all this stuff, and they they decide they're going to worship something with their own hands instead of the living God that did this yeah. through Moses' hand. And you're going, why? How stupid <laughs> are these Israelites? And I think that there's an insatiable desire for us as humans. I think this speaks to the human condition. Yes. There's an insatiable desire for <clears throat> us as humans to hunger to put something um, as important in our lives to show reverence to. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and you're just, man, you're nailing some of the things that, yeah, I even had down. I mean, right. this is, it is part of our inherent design. We're built to worship things. Right. Period. We just are. And if you're not worshiping God, you are worshiping something else. Yeah. And... You might go, oh, that's bull or whatever. It doesn't have to be a golden calf. I mean, it doesn't have to be a false god, per se, or a pagan god. Right. It can be anything that you are elevating, as Philip said, to a place that replaces your time that you would spend with God. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of things, um, and I, I think this is why... Um, God started the Ten Commandments with this whole idea because he knew that this is where mankind is naturally going to go. So in Exodus 20, uh, beginning in verse 4, he says, You shall make for yourselves, or you shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water below. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, responding to the transgression of fathers by dealing with children to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me, and showing covenant faithfulness to the thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So, wow, what a way to start... Uh, the list. <laughs> so he's like, okay, you screw this up, your kids are going to pay for it. Right. And, and we'll talk a little bit about what that actually means uh, going forward here. But um, but it's one of these things that where he's like, <clears throat> it's not just, yeah, he, he specifically says don't make a copy of things that you can worship. Right. But does that mean, I mean, I've heard people literally, like I, I had a gentleman ask me one time, he says, let me ask you a question. What did the Israelite children play with? And I was like, uh, I don't know, dolls? <laughs> and he's like, well, think about that. Would that not be a graven image? <laughs> so, wow. so you can take this to the nth degree. Right. And take him so literally that he's saying, don't fashion something. In other words, it's, it's sinful to sculpt. <laughs> That's not what God is saying. What he's saying is, 
do not do that with the intent of placing it above me. Right. Don't do that with the intent of worshiping it. Yeah. Well, and if you break down the word, uh, the Hebrew word pesel, which is idol. Yes. Right? So it actually just means image, okay? Or graven image. <laughs> carved image. Something made. Carved. Um, but it carries on a, a, uh, a, a bigger meaning. And that meaning is, is something that, that you're going to revere. You're going to mm-hmm. put in a place of honor. You're going to feed. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. You're going to burn incense to. You're going to sacrifice things to. That's an idol. And that's what they meant. So, um, but going back to what you were talking about, um, and then people on the other side saying, well, listen, I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, this, this whole idol worship thing, because... I don't have a graven in- image of my house. There's no Buddha sitting on my shelf. So right, right. I'm not idol worshiping. But to that person, I would turn to Romans 1. Okay. Um, and that's that's where I'd go because I, I think that this this is essentially the, uh, um, the message or the spirit behind the law. Right. Uh, if you look at... Verse uh, 22 to 25? Yeah, let's go to verse 21 real quick. Jump in that. Okay. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, uh, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I think, that, number one, there's there's a key, and that's what I was saying. I'm beginning to think about this differently. Romans 1 is a very rich text for me, and every time I go back to it, I get something yeah. else out of it. <clears throat> so what he's saying here, first, firstly, he's talking about uh, Gentiles, okay? Uh, what he's going to do in Romans is, chapter 1, he's, he's going to uh, knock down the Gentiles and say if they don't have uh, a relationship with God. In chapter 2, he's going to knock down the Jews and yes, say they yes. don't have a relationship with God. Yeah. That's his goal. Is And by chapter 3, he's going to go, everybody screwed up. Yes, right? yes, yes. But that's his goal. So right here, he's talking about Gentiles. And one of the chief marks of a Gentile was idol worship. Mm-hmm. If you weren't worshiping God back then, you were worshiping something else. Right. You were right. worshiping some other idol or you were going to some other temple, um, paying uh, your offering or giving your grain offering or whatever to some other God. Um, and so this is what he's talking about here. And he says... In verse 21, they knew God, but they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So I look at this as somebody trying to get somewhere or do something yeah, and doing the exact opposite of what they need to do in order to get somewhere or do something. Mm-hmm. They're futile in their thinking, <clears throat> right? So well, and and let me add to that a little bit. So why is worshiping like an idol or whatever a futile thing? And in you know even if it's uh, whether it's a pagan idol or whether it's a metaphorical idol in our lives. Sure. Uh, in Psalms one thirty five, verse fifteen through eighteen, it says the nation's idols are made of silver and gold. They are man made. They have mouths but cannot speak. Eyes but cannot see, and ears, but cannot hear. Indeed, they cannot breathe. Those who make them will end up like them as everyone who trusts in them. So it's interesting, like how they're talking about the futility of where we spend our worship 
or where we spend our service, you know, who, what we're serving, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> we will become like whatever it is wh- that we are worshiping. Yeah. And so if you want to be, uh, if you want to be like God or Christ, that's who you worship, right? Yeah. That's so, that's so true for me and that whole futile thing. So what, why were, why were uh, Gentiles making idols? What was their purpose? Their purpose was a means to an end. Yeah. So they wanted good rains for a good harvest. They went and they worshiped uh, the harvest God. And I, I should have pulled these out. I didn't have enough time at school today, <laughs> but I wanted to pull these out. They go and worship Baal, okay? Right. Or right. Uh, they they want uh, you know good fertile land. They they go worship the god of fertility or whatever. Um, and their goal in that is to get something from yes. the deity they're worshiping. Okay. Yes, yes. That's their goal. So they believe, okay, that takes sacrifice or even cutting or even child sacrifice. Sometimes it's a means to an end. But it's futile. It's like a baby <clears throat> trying to get milk from the father instead of the mother. Make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's futile. Yeah, it's, you're going after something to sustain you. But it's the wrong thing. And some things are very attractive. That they, they seem like they're going to make you happy. Right. Money. Uh, uh, you know, wealth or or a nice house, a right. nice car, a Better job. Uh, I mean, there's the grass is always greener. Sure, right, and that and that's part of idolatry. Right. In in reality, that's what it is because we're always looking to something else to fill a need. Yeah, and which, by the way, this kind of leads into another topic that Philip wants us to talk about at some point, which is contentment. Yeah, and these are kind of related in a way. Yeah, um, but yeah. Yeah, you're right on there. Well, okay, and so, you know, that in that futility, so let me keep going here. Okay. And you brought up something that I wanted to hit on after that. So, okay, so they're futile, um, and their foolish hearts are darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Yeah. So they're like... Imagine waking up one day and looking out at all across the creation and seeing all the awesome stuff that's here. And there's some awesome stuff here, <laughs> right? There's fruit and there's beautiful landscapes and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's wine and there's sex. Yeah. And, the, you know, there's all this awesome stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But looking out across <clears throat> that and going, this is it. This is my all. Instead of looking up and going... You created you provided, all of this. Right. You gave me all of this. And I'm going to worship you because you gave me all of this. And not not just because you gave me all of this, but because you're the maker of everything. You're mm. the maker of me. Yeah. So it's... I think that the, the crux comes because we are humans um, who are made to, to have great joyful experiences and we become gluttons of that joy or gluttons of that experience to satisfy us instead of understanding that the reason the creator yeah, is the behind only behind it all. Yeah, the the one behind it is the one thing that satisfies us. And we get so caught up into the individual satisfaction of those things that we then begin to serve those things. Yeah. And uh so, you know, going back to what we were saying before we are made to serve something. That's what it's ingrained in us. And, yes. and, and people may say, well, 
you know, that's not true. I'm free. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in your God. I don't follow your God. Uh, I'm free. Um, but you know, freedom isn't free. And, and, um, in, in reality, it really isn't. The more rope that you get, the more apt you are to strangle yourself or to hang yourself. Well, yeah, I think, uh, uh, what who's what's his name? Bob Dylan said it well. The best you're gonna serve somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the 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 thing is, real freedom is found in the choice, making the decision. Okay, this is what I'm going to serve. Right. So that's real freedom. It's not. I mean, it's not free from from God. That's not freedom mm-hmm. because you're gonna serve something. The thing is, do you have a choice in the matter? Obviously, if you become addicted to alcohol, you lo- you lost your choice, dude. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it becomes very hard to get out of that. Or if you are addicted to pornography, that's really hard to get out of. There's all these things we can become addicted to because we've served it for so long yeah. that it becomes really, really difficult to get out of. Well, you got verse 24 and, following that, which is exactly what you're talking about, right? Okay, go ahead. So it says, Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Yes. So, And he expounds on this even a few chapters later. In Romans 6, he tells us there in verse 16, he says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart Mm. that pattern of teaching you were entrusted to. And having been freed from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. Yes. So, yeah, you can use this term, you know, well, I'm free from that. Well, but you're free from righteousness it is the only thing that you're free from. Right. Uh, you are enslaved to something else. And all these things that we enslave ourselves to, they have their pay, their penance. They have they demand stuff from you, right? right. So whether that's the television set or uh, a, a sports team or um, your geekdom or <laughs> any number of things that we that we become so entrenched in that that's yeah. our life. Right. And that's I mean just like I was talking with you before the show about uh, this documentary that's on Netflix of these kids that started making a shot-by-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark back yeah. in 1982 when they were 11 years old, and it went on for seven years, their entire high school, every weekend, every every uh, vacation, and every, every spare minute was spent remaking that movie. Right. That's obsessive. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and to the fact that they were burning, they were catching themselves on fire, they were going to the hospital, there was all <laughs> and They were worshiping the Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> right. And, uh, but if we go back to, um, to what Psalms 135 was telling us about the emptiness 
of, of things. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the way it presents it. It says they have mouths. So they have this, the, you look at them, you go, oh, there's a mouth on that thing. Right. But it can't talk. Like the whole purpose of the mouth is, is in vain. Right. Because it can't actually talk. Uh, it has eyes, but it can't see anything. And it has ears, but it won't listen to your cries. It won't listen to you whenever you need something. Right. I mean, and even though we're talking in the Psalms about a physical idol, the same is true for anything that we have supplanted God with. Um, There's emptiness in trying to find happiness in uh, those things. Yeah, you know... As an avid football play, uh, football um, fan, I can tell you firsthand that winning, you know, my team winning the the uh, the national championship, although it's a fun thing and it feels good, yeah, it feels great. Mm-hmm. It it's what does it do for me? <laughs> does it in reality does it impact your your actual life in any way? It has no impact. <laughs> Just your emotions. Right, my emotions. <laughs> or, you know, and and that's that can be a terrible thing if they lose a horrible game, you know, and I'm I'm yelling at my wife because of it or something, you know. Right, right. It's ridiculous. Um but we're so entrenched in in these things that that um that just consume our lives. And this can be anything. I'm picking on the football fans because I am one. But I could pick very easily on the music Oh yeah, uh, fans. I have a look the- at my office here. <laughs> I've got geek stuff all around me, you know. I mean, pop culture, Star Wars. I mean, i got all this stuff, you know, sure. all, over me, all over here. I mean, this type of stuff can become, very easily become, something that is more important. And you might say, well, in reality, it's not really more important than God. But, you know, words and deeds are two different things. It's easy to say God's number one, but then let's take stock in your life and let's see, okay, how many sports stats do you have memorized versus how many scriptures do you have memorized? Right. Or it could be any number of things. How much trivia do you know? But then you turn to the Bible and how much do you know? And it's like, if that was really the most important thing, you would be doing that. It's not, seeing that's part of the thing that I think we, we do with Bible study or memorization or whatever. We look at that as work, but we don't look at it as work when, Joy, yeah. whenever we are doing that in our hobby. Right. Like whenever I can quote you lines from a movie right. or whenever I can, and it's not that I sat down and I was just determined to memorize, you know, act three, scene two of this movie. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's just that was so enjoyable for me that I just kept repeating it until sure. it got stuck. And it's the same way with scriptural things and with God. I mean, are they your is that your hobby? Is that where you're spending your time? Yeah. Um one thing that I, that I wanted to 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 look at here is this passage. I'm going to go back to Exodus 20 and verse 5. To okay. this thing that's kind of confusing in the way that God words it. And I'm going to read it from the good old uh, King James. King Jimmy? All right. Yeah. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, <laughs> visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. Now, on first reading, 
you might think, well, that's really unfair, God, <laughs> that you would Visit punish that, me yeah. as a child for what my dad did or what my grandpa did. Or he's his third or fourth generations. Great grandpa. Yeah. And so it sounds completely unfair. But I think if we look at reality, then we start to see what God is actually saying here. It's not his doing that is causing you to do to have all these problems. This iniquity of, of that's being passed on from children from father to son is not God whipping you because of this and disciplining you. It is something you've heaped upon your own children. That's right. And your children's children. And so a great example of this comes from the history of Israel. In 2 Chronicles 26, we can read about a guy by the name of Uzziah. Okay, now Uzziah chose to serve God on his own terms in the temple, and he was stricken with leprosy. Right. Okay, now this is a guy who knew right from wrong. He knew what God's word was. He knew what the law was. He knew he was not supposed to, he did not belong in the temple. He's a king. Right. Okay. That's the priest's job to right. be in that room. But he was so anxious to get a blessing, to go to war, that he he rushed into the temple to oh, just move out of the way. I'll, I'll, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and he's already had examples of this, you know, as a bad thing yeah. in the past. Saul okay. did the same thing. So you have a disregard right. for God's law. That led to him getting leprosy. Now, what's funny is Jotham is Uzziah's son. Jotham, his son, refused to even enter the temple because of this. Because he grew up with a dad with leprosy because of the, quote-unquote, those temple priests (laughs) or whatever. And Jotham refused to even enter the temple at any time because of his own, because of his dad's leprosy. Right. So you can read about him in Second Chronicles twenty-seven. Now let's go to Jotham's son, Ahaz. Jotham's son not only avoided the temple, he closed the doors to it and locked it and began worshiping false gods. This is Second Chronicles twenty-eight. Now this is giving you exactly what God's talking about whenever He says, "I will visit the iniquities of the father to the son." for the third and fourth generations. He's not saying you're going to get punished for something your dad did. He's saying be careful when you choose to turn your back on me. Yeah. Because it's going to have effects that could last three or four generations. Yeah. You know, how many guys, you know, they 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 grow up bitter about God because their parents were bitter about God. Right. Or their grandparents were bitter about God. Right. And so it's like, you know, this is all part of this. This leads to idolatry. Yeah. Where did Jotham end, or where did Ahaz end up? Worshiping other gods. That's right. Because he was so fed up with what he knew about the temple. Yep. That he turned his back on it. It's crazy. So, but anyway, and then there's this other thing that I wanted to, to revisit too while we were on it. Talking about in Psalms one thirty five, where he was, where he was talking about they don't have a, they have a mouth, they can't talk, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, if you worship those things, you will become like them. And I always thought that was very intriguing. Huh. So let's stop and think about that for a minute. Like, if you become addicted to, let's pick some common day uh, 
things that we have here that can occupy our time, sure. take us away from God and time we spend with God. TV is an obvious one, and everyone, right. you know, I'm not getting. I'm not saying you should get rid of your TV. Like in everything else, it's good in moderation. You don't need to become an addict. Yeah, well, to it. I mean, I think the uh, the best the best thing that we can say about that is exactly what Paul said: all things are permissible. Not all things are beneficial. Yes, And yes. the meaning of that is, you know, God made all of this for our good pleasure. Yeah, yeah. He did. And he made it all because he's a good father who wants the lavish gifts upon his, his sons mm-hmm. and daughters. That that doesn't mean that we should, you know, eat, <laughs> like, overindulge in everything we do. Correct. And so, like, if we think about a TV, yeah, a television set, what does it do in your house? Physically. It's just sitting there. It just sits there. It hangs on the wall, or it sits there on the on the nightstand or whatever. It doesn't move. Right. It just stays there in that room all day long, does nothing. Yeah. What happens whenever you become addicted to it? You sit there. You sit there, just like it. You collect dust, just like it. You're you're you become as immobile as the device that you're serving. That's so good. Yeah. Um, if our idol is selfishness then we become spoiled brats that we set out to be. Right. Like if, if, if we are constantly focused on ourselves, we're going to become so, we're, that is go, what we're going to become. Um, if, our idolatry, uh, idol, if our idol is covetousness, so, there are, so if we're constantly wanting something that somebody else has, that grass is always greener on the other side. When we get stuff, what do we do with it? We become misers with it. Right. Right, we become what we saw. We yeah. become, you know, that if if our idol is is lust, mm. if we lust after after people, it as, consumes everything you are. Right, it takes over your entire life. People then become objects to us. Right, and and then they're not created beings anymore to us. They just become objects to be used. Right, for our desires, and so. Whatever it is that we are are focusing on, that's how we kind of end up. And uh, going back to the whole dung beetle thing. Okay, this is where this is going to come in. <laughs> um, this comes from the Egyptians. Okay. Okay. Now one of the one of the things that the Egyptians used to worship way back in the day scarabs was the scarab beetle. Yeah. Now the you'll see the scarab image on all kinds of things. Right. Um, so, what is a scarab? It's a dung beetle. <laughs> okay. Now, if you don't want to, don't know what a dung beetle is. It's a beetle that basically lives on human or animal feces, waste yeah. feces. It it rolls up the the dung, takes it into its little hole or whatever. So it lives on the refuse of others, and it lives in filth. But this is what the Egyptians of ancient Egypt, a lot of them worshipped, right? I don't know if any of you have ever been to Egypt in the modern day, but it is a filthy place. Um, I was in Cairo. Well, actually, I was in... uh, We traveled the uh, Exodus path in 2007. Yeah. And we got to visit a lot of Egypt while we were doing that. And I was just completely underwhelmed because what I had in my mind was grandeur 
and beauty and and yes, some of that was there, but it was like littered with filth. Wow. It's like that. Just every road you went down was just full of trash in the in the uh, um, in the in, gutters. In the gutters. Wow. And it was just it was a, just a really dirty place, and the people lived in that squalor, unconcerned really it seemed huh. about where they were living that we would drop by buildings that had been long abandoned. Uh, no one, they started building these things and they stopped. They never had actual, they had window holes, but no actual windows, windows yeah. and people were living in those. Sure. Wow. And, and so the, 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 the thing that comes to mind is, wait a minute, this is a culture. These are people that used to worship the dung beetle. Huh? And now that's what they largely have become is people living off of refuse and and uh, and garbage, and so I think that it's very important if we look at Jesus and look at what he was, look at his life, look at what he did, uh, how he lived, how he treated other people. Man, if you truly worship that. That's what you will become. Yeah, you will become that, and uh, you know it's, it's it's you can see this everywhere in culture. By the way, sure. Uh, did you know? Do you know um, the the actor Corey Feldman? Yeah. Okay, so as a child, Corey Feldman was like buddy buddy with Michael Jackson. So really? I don't know if you knew all that. I didn't know that. But anyway, Corey Feldman spent a lot of time as a child with Michael Jackson. <laughs> so as a result, uh, a lot of Corey's later teen movies that he was in, he's dressing like Michael Jackson. He's dancing like Michael Jackson. In fact, I saw on TV the other day on the Today Show, he just released a, a music video or a music uh, a song, and he performs it on the Today Show, and he's doing the Michael Jackson moves, not quite as well, but... wow. <laughs> And all this, he still has, like, the Mac- Michael Jackson's lat- latest hairdo he had before he died. Sure. And then, like, he has become what he worshipped, or at least a faint echo of what he was into. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is just something that you see all the time. When people really get into something, they begin to dress like that. They begin to act like that. Go to a sci-fi convention. Oh, yeah. Dude. Even before cosplay was cool, <laughs> there were people that did that all the time. Yeah, you got the, you know Balkans wearing the you know the ears fake ears and and, and all this. And I'm not saying there's the anything wrong with that. It's just proof that we emulate the things that we enjoy. That's right. The things that we invest our time in. Yeah, we begin to emulate those things. And so, if we actually put God where He's supposed to be, put Jesus where He's supposed to be. Man, this world would be a magnificent place, it would. wouldn't it? That's right. Yeah, and I think, you know, <laughs> it's absolutely true. You become what you worship. It's just a fundamental fact. Um, more than anything, this worship thing boils down to, for me, and this is where I said, usually I used to say worship is basically putting anything else above God. I mean, idolatry. Uh, yeah, idolatry is any putting anything else above God. Right. But I think now 
when I think of idolatry, the more I look at it, the more I think of it this way. And I'm going all the way back to that golden calf thing. Okay. Idolatry is going for anything else to fully satisfy your needs. Mm. Other than... Right. Other than the, the father of all right. satisfaction. So it's not necessarily about the amount of time you spend or the weight that you're in your mind that you think you're giving God more weight than maybe you're giving him. Right. But it's really about where you're going to right. spend. Where are you going to find your satisfaction? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I keep, I keep thinking of a little kid analogy. It's, it's the kid who focuses more on the treats that daddy gives him mm-hmm. than daddy. Yeah. You know? And he doesn't realize that, you know, when daddy's gone, those treats are going to be gone, but daddy's going to be gone. Right, right. And so I think it's important for us to remember that every good gift comes from above, from Mm -hmm. the Father of lights. And that's a good thing, but the focus of that good gift is so that we can revert our attention back to the Father. Correct. Who gave us that, and then worship him because of that. And you know, one of the things I think that we that we don't really take into consideration is the fact that when God says that I'm a jealous God, that should mean something to us as humans. I mean, that should strike a chord with us because we should be familiar with what jealousy yeah. is and how jealousy works in our lives, especially if we're in relationships with people yeah. and this sort of thing. I mean, like think 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 about it for a minute. If if I told my wife. Yeah, I love you. You're the most important thing in my life. And, and you know, I'm completely devoted to you, and there's no other woman beside you. But I'm walking around with some other woman's picture in my wallet. How does that, how's my wife going to feel about that? Right. I mean, it's going to be hurtful. And so a lot of times I used to think of this term when when God is saying, I'm a jealous God. And. I always thought of him getting mad, like being inflamed about it. No. Instead of it, broken. Of being, yes, yeah. hurt by this. And basically saying, you know, look, I'm the one who gave you all of this and you don't have any time for me? Mm. Really? Um, and so, you know, when we, when we love someone other than God, or more than than God, then he becomes that jilted. He becomes the one in the jilted relationship. Right. But the cool thing is, he is always there to take us back. That's right. And sometimes that doesn't work here on Earth. Mm. <laughs> if you if you can goof up a relationship enough, where people will just go, "No, uh, I've had it with you. <laughs> I'm, not, wow. I'm not going there, you know, again." But God is always willing to. Uh, to take us back in that. Amen. So check your wallet. Whose picture is there? Is it God's? Nice. (laughs) Or is it the Sooners? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So uh, you got some news for us? Yeah, let's do it. And now the news. Belgium has become the first country to euthanize a teenager. Woo! Oh, sorry. Wow. 
For the first time, a child has been legally euthanized in Belgium. Back in 2014, officials passed a controversial law that makes voluntary euthanasia legal for minors. Officials did not release many details about the case, but told reporters that a terminally ill 17-year-old became the first person euthanized under the law. The law says that terminally ill minors who have the, quote, capacity of discernment and the approval of their parents can be considered for euthanasia. The head of the nation's euthanasia commission explained to the BBC that the teen was suffering unbearable physical pain. Currently, only two countries in the world allow for euthanasia of children, the Netherlands and Belgium. In the Netherlands, where euthanasia makes up 2.8% of all deaths, wow. children as young as 12 may be considered. Man. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. The devaluation of life. Yes, it is. And, you know, I, I don't know. The quality of that life, mm -hmm. I can understand, but man, it's just, it's unbelievable. Well, a study finds that faith in America is worth more than Amazon, Google, or Apple combined. Okay. Um, earlier this week, the Interdisciplinary Journal for Research on Religion published the results of a study of the economic impact of religion in America, which is the first of its kind. The findings are fascinating. The study, The Socioeconomic Contribution of Religion to American Society, an empirical analysis, which you can read uh, uh, on the relevant mag uh, magazine site, analyzed the economic impact of 344,000 religious congregations across the country. In addition to quantifying the economic impact of religious institutions and religion-related businesses, according to the press release, they valued the total economic contribution of religion in America at almost $1.2 trillion. Get out. So, and where is that money going? Churches. And <laughs> Well, they say it's going to communities to create jobs and create... It's a big... It's a booming industry. It's a business. Religion's a booming business. In America, a booming business, yeah. $1.2 trillion, more than Apple, Apple, Google. I mean, these are our big ones, Apple, yeah, Google, yeah, yeah. and Amazon combined. Those are the top countries, top 10, our top 10. Uh, mm -hmm. If, if uh, to put it in a uh, socioeconomic class, if we were to rank it, it'd be the 15th highest uh, um, governmental, corporation? yeah, corporate, no, 15th largest economy. Oh, global economy in the world. Wow, religion would be so like up there with America, yeah, and China. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, think about that. It's crazy. Is that not nuts? I don't know. You know, I <laughs> well, you know, I've 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 often heard uh, statistics. Um, Hole in the Gospels were a real good one about <laughs> yeah throwing out some statistics and saying you know if if only two percent of what people gave to church ended up in the hands of the poor pov world poverty would go away right <laughs> and so wow that just amplifies that yeah it's it's funny because I mean they're saying well it's good for America though because it's it's oh yeah of course yeah so Bill because I'm sure America is the the biggest exporter of religion it is just like it's the biggest exporter of pornography right <laughs> Brian Grimm uh, the study's author said this in a statement in an age where there's a growing belief that religion is not a positive for American society adding up the numbers is a tan tangible reminder of the impact of religion every single day individuals and organizations of faith quietly serve their community as part of a religious congregations faith-based charities and businesses inspired by religion uh, so see I just don't know if statistics like that are a good thing 
Like, I mean, a lot of people were going to hear that and go, oh, yay, God. Yeah. But 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 I, I have to stop and ask, you know, are we doing the right thing with it? I mean, well, is there when still, it becomes measured let me, let me ask you this. like a corporation? Are people still dying of starvation? Of course. Then we're not doing the right thing right. with it. And, and we're still <laughs> exporting slaves all over the world? $1.2 trillion. <laughs> trillion dollars. Yeah, 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 with a T. Yeah. <laughs> then... But it, it's okay. Go ahead and, and listen to your Air One radio and buy your Christian T-shirt and go to your right whatever. I don't know, you know. And I'm I'm just as guilty as the next person. Well, me too. But, but I I don't you know it's it's quite. I'm a consumer. Quite interesting. Yes, it's all about consumer Christianity. Mm-hmm. Consumer driven Christianity. Yeah, I'm even selling the shirt. Hey, hey man. <laughs> I belong. Of course, to- I'm making no money. I did. I, I didn't contribute to that trillion dollar <laughs> profit at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh man! <laughs> all right, NCAA moves championship games out of North Carolina because of the LGBT bathroom laws. Uh, of course. Yes, the NBA, NCAA has followed the NBA league and announced its re- response to North Carolina's controversial LGBT uh, legislation regarding bathroom issue. Uh, the NCAA released a statement on Monday announcing the championship games will be moved out of North Carolina this season. The statement said, uh, in its decision Monday, the Board of Governors emphasized that NCAA championships and events must promote an inclusive atmosphere for all college athletes, coaches, administrators, and fans. Current North America state laws make it challenging to guarantee that host communities can help deliver on that commitment if NCAA events remained in the state, the board said. Hmm. You know, I uh, I was teaching this morning, fifth graders, and uh, the uh, literary concept they're supposed to get for this week is fact versus opinion. Okay. And the more I taught that, the more I'm going, you know, that's not really a literary thing anymore. We don't believe in fact <laughs> at all. <laughs> there is no fact foot versus opinion. So I went on a almost an hour tirade with the kids. Going, the fifth graders are going, oh yeah, Mr. Orr, Mr. Orr, but they're but no, I had them agreeing with me in the end. I'm like, okay, so what is a fact? It's raining outside. It's not raining outside. Fact, right? Opinion. I don't like rain. I love rain. Fact versus opinion, right? And then I'm like, okay, so boy, girl, fact. Wait a second. Hold the phone here, folks. Apparently, it's not a fact anymore. <laughs> so we're changing facts to opinions. Well, I just don't feel like a boy. I don't feel like a girl. And I'm sorry. I'm ranting. And this is very frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. But I think that well, this I, is why I'm so so angry about it. Or so. Well, I think there there's legitimate. There's people that are <laughs> legitimately confused. Yeah. And dealing with these issues. I know it's a mental. Uh, strife for them, and I know they're they're struggling with this. But but when do we get to the point to where the tail wags the dog? Yeah, you got the entire NCAA act like changing their venues and and all this sort of thing, boycotting I mean, a state it's because of taking it, it too, way too far. It is. It's like okay, let's deal. With, how hard is this to really deal with? Put in, yeah. I mean, we have handicapped bathrooms, and they didn't move people around. Because there wasn't a handicapped right. bathroom. I mean, it's like, and I'm and I'm all for loving, loving through it and dealing with that issue, and that's fine. 
but on the same kilter. Fact is a, it, to me, is the number one proof of the existence of God. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at fact, then you look at moral absolutism. And the very next step is understanding that that had to have come from somewhere. Right. You take that away, and you take away a proof of God. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to me, I think. You know, um, so anyways. Well, the individual, dealing with individuals who struggle with this stuff is, to me, completely different than coming to the, the point to where the whole league is making large decisions based on the facilities of the of the play. We've left Kansas. I mean, we're in Oz. Yeah. And so it's like wow. And and there are so many greater issues to deal with. There are so many things that we could be uh, focusing on. Yeah. But it's like, and and that's not to to minimize people's concerns and individual struggles and, and dealing. Okay. That's a different thing. Right. But whenever we get to the point to where it's, it's the controlling factor Mm -hmm. of, I mean, how, how big of a organization is NCAA? Huge. Yeah. So talk about the tail wagging the dog. Yeah. I mean, that's huge, but anyway, it's crazy. I got one more story. I really don't, I don't have any uh, Pope news this week or... What? Yeah, just, you know. Well, we've had Pope news for the past two weeks, so yeah. I figured we need a break. But he's, 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 he's snoozing. He's he taking, is. He's, he's taking a break. chilling. But uh, I do have Antichrist news. Do we have any stingers for Antichrist? Brothers and sisters. <laughs> come together. Come together. <laughs> Antichrist. Hallelujah. Yeah. The Antichrist is here. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, Adam <laughs> Scott. Do you know who Adam Scott is? The guy from... Uh, yes, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. One of my favorite actors from Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to star in a comedy about the Antichrist coming up on Netflix. Uh, it's a new wow. comedy called uh, Little Evil. Adam Scott plays a man who finds a woman of his dreams. He, he looks like he could be, you know, kind of the Antichrist. Maybe, yeah. He's got a strange look to him. But he's not the Antichrist. Oh, okay. He finds a woman of his dreams only to find out after they get married that her six-year-old little boy just so happens to be the Antichrist <laughs> himself. It's like the Omen. It's yeah. the comedy version of the Omen. It's great. It's from uh, Eli Craig. That's the guy that made Zombieland and Tucker and Dale oh, vs. Evil. Really? <laughs> Did you see Tucker and Dale vs. Oh, Evil? Oh, yes. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> he turned himself in the wood chipper. I don't know what's going on with that guy. <laughs> so funny. I yeah, it. I watched that because I like Alan Tudyk. Oh, yeah. He's from Firefly. Right. Yeah. It's just, I was a big Firefly fan. Come on, Tucker. You got you to gotta go up and talk to the girl. <laughs> it's so just funny. such a silly uh, premise <laughs> that all these college-age kids are accidentally killing themselves and thinking that there's maniac rednecks. Rednecks killing them. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. I think it's a suicide pact. <laughs> <laughs> I read about that type of thing. I read about that type of thing. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I got. Okay, well, I've got some... Voicemail. Actually, I don't have voicemail. Email. Email. Got some email. Mm. Is it French fried? French fried. 
So okay, so I've I, I read part of Philip's um, email, so I won't uh, reread that. But uh, he is suggesting uh, another possible future episode on contentment. He says our culture is obsessed with obtaining happiness. I think happiness is not something to be attained, but a byproduct of a content life. Our culture is all about bigger, better, and more. And if you have a humble three-bedroom house, don't you need a bigger two-story one? If you have a 10-year-old used car, don't you need a brand new one with all the latest bells and whistles? This is all the American way and the American dream after all, right? (laughs) How else can I ever be happy if I don't get (laughs) everything I want in life? (laughs) Thanks for the show, guys. Hashtag... Texas forever. <laughs> he, he's a he's a Texas guy. Too. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm gonna have to get next time you write in my hashtag hook 'em horns. <laughs> yeah, let's not <laughs> hashtag that. <laughs> you idol worshiper. All right. Anyways. Okay. So uh, the other one, the other email that I I got here is from Michelle. And this is, it goes back a few episodes. I've been kind of slow in pulling these things up. Uh, this goes back to our episode on who should Christians vote for. <laughs> so uh, do we still stand by everything we said in that episode? I, I don't know. <laughs> I give up on that one. So, <laughs> Okay, so here's Michelle's uh, opinion about this. She said, Dear David and, and Jeremiah, thanks for always... Thanks, as always, for such a timely topic. Like many people, I'm still struggling with this question. Here are a few of my thoughts. Number one, the President of the United States is one of the most powerful people in the world and has an impact culturally as well as politically, and I think we have to consider that. Theodore Roosevelt called the presidency the bully pulpit. The British newspaper The Guardian reported in June that children all over the United States are mimicking Trump's language to abuse other children, <laughs> saying things like, quote, you were born in a Taco Bell, quote, and, quote, <laughs> you're going to be deported. That's messed quote. up. I can't believe people are doing that. So, given, Are you kidding me? <laughs> so given Trump's attitude toward women, minorities, and disabled people, I fear the impact on the next generation if he is elected. In my opinion, he's also grossly unqualified. And she says, here's the link to about the children mimicking thing. And she includes that for us. Uh, Point number two. I also have grave concerns about Hillary Clinton, especially her radical pro-abortion position. She has retreated from, quote, safe, legal, and rare, quote, to a position of supporting almost no restrictions on abortion. And I'm not a fan of big government either. Too much regulation stifles business and inhabits freedom. As you noted, I am also worried about the Supreme Court. And third, lastly, I'm also uncomfortable with the Libertarian Party. As an attorney who used to work on accident cases, I've seen too many examples of what can happen if there are no government regulations in certain areas. For example, investigators found the lack of safety measures were responsible for the West Texas fertilizer explosion, that caused 15 deaths, 160 injuries, and destroyed 150 buildings. Left to themselves, people will often cut corners. I cert- a certain amount of regulation is necessary for peace and safety. Yeah. I'm also worried that the very poor and the disabled would suffer greatly in a libertarian government. 
If we were to elect a libertarian government, would Christians and other people of faith be willing to pick up the burden of caring for the poor, the elderly, and the disabled? Sidebar comment, they should. It's yeah. their responsibility. Right. Not the government's. Okay, needless to say, I hate all of the choices in this election. <laughs> Amen to that, sister. <laughs> My overwhelming thought is that all Christians should be on their knees in prayer, interceding for our country and all Americans. How did we get to a place where these are our choices? How did we get to a place where people are so ugly to each other and unwilling to work together? To me, it is more important than ever that Christians let our light shine with love, compassion, honesty, charity, and humility. We must not damage the name of Jesus by associating with anyone who claims to be a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy or adulterer or, or a verbal abuser, a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Whatever we do, we must remember that the world is watching us. I'm going to keep praying. Thanks again for your ministry. Love to you both. Michelle. P.S. The link below has a great discussion of which applies to all Christians. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's good about giving us links. I'll go ahead and include those in the uh, awesome. in the show notes. So um, one thing that she didn't bring up here that, in fact, I wasn't even aware of it before that broadcast that we did about that. Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson's pro-choice. Yep. He's pro-choice. Yep. So therefore, there's no way I'm voting for Gary Johnson. So, and, and once again, it's like... Libertarian is kind of a loose term. Yeah. Because it just depends on how far you want to take that idea of government shouldn't be involved. Because that's how he gets to pro choice. Government should not be involved in a women's decision to. <laughs> and this do. is where he's wrong to call himself a libertarian and believe that. Libertarianism says that the government should not get involved unless it's uh, harming, somebody. harming somebody. That harms people. Babies, yeah. it, it's it's harm. Abortion harms people. Yeah. Period. So therefore, it should be illegal. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's very simply logical. But even with that definition, I mean, you've got the things just like Michelle mentioned about the the plant exploding down there in for, in uh, was it Waco or whatever yeah. it was, or uh, West, right? And uh, I mean, it's like okay, people were harmed, right? <laughs> so, so I don't know. It's uh, it's all over the all over the map. Um, okay, we're right at an hour. Do you want to do trivia or you want to get out of here? Let's get out of here this week. All right, let's. Next do week that. we'll do trivia. All right, you got your uh, your my outro. Your little. I do your words. Yep. Okay, here we go. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. Stay up to date with all of our shows, including our brothers in Tennessee, Finding Christ in Cinema. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't uh, Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patroness pay, pay a little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your patronage. Patronage. Mm. It helps us. 
in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks for being here, brother. As always, David, thank you back. All right, God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. Ain't got no gas in it.